Hello, everyone. Welcome to the first episode of the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast where we talk about films off the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list of 2024. Um, <laughs> probably should have put that before the explanation, but anyway. Yeah, grammatically, that was a weird construction. <clears throat> well, you know, that's what commas are for. <laughs> My name is Clay. With me, as always, is Amanda. How are you doing, Amanda? I mean, I'm being held together by copious amounts of cold meds mm-hmm. and tea, mm-hmm. but otherwise, I am okay. How are you? That's, that's that's what you like to hear in early January, because if you don't yeah. have snow, at least you can have RSV. Viruses. Yes. <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, had a, a nice new year. We actually were, we hung out New Year's and we watched together. We watched yes, Ghostbusters 2. Uh, yeah. Just just us alone in a room. Everybody else was somewhere else. Um, <laughs> that makes it sound way creepier. It does. It, it does. We weren't we weren't talking. We were just watching Ghostbusters two alone in a room. This makes it sound like you you a la a Clockwork Orange tied me to a chair and stapled my eyelids open and it, forced me to watch it. It sounds like a New Year's Eve party I went to when I was like eleven, where it was like an adult <laughs> party, and me and the only other key kid were in the basement just watching Ghostbusters two. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, today we are jumping back mm-hmm. into it. We are, uh, we're doing a heavy hitter here with mm-hmm. number six on our list, which is wow. get out. It has a 98% rotten tomato score with an 86% audience score. Wow. Had you seen this before? I had, but I was, um, kind of a late comer to it. I think I watched it at some point in 20, 2020 during lockdown. Oh, really? Like, alone in, in my, in my house. Just cause you were... Trying to uh, um, be uh, anti antithetical to what the movie was asking you to do, you're like, no, I'm I'm not going to leave my house. <laughs> I am for a incapable full year. of getting out. Yes, and so I must live vicariously through this movie about somebody trying to get out. Yes, relatable content. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Um, yeah, I saw this in the theater, and I oh, wow. have not seen it since then. Which oh, it's okay. it's weird because you know I I was uh, well we can get into this as as we get into it but I was curious about the rewatchability of this mm-hmm. um, and when it started I wasn't I wasn't sure it was going to hold up but but then once everything gets going you really it really drags you in. Look, all you need to do is just be a giant nerdy English major like me, mm-hmm. and then on your second watch through, you start to see all of these little symbolisms and these clever little things that you missed the first time, and you start going, ah, I see what he did there. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. So that's going to be me this whole time. Excellent. This whole record. Yeah, Excellent, be because I am coming into this <laughs> thinking that I am woefully underqualified to talk about this outside of the fact that, yeah, it's a good movie. So. Oh, yeah. No, me too. I'm, I'm still going to do it, though. Oh, excellent. Great. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're going to take a quick break and play the trailer for you, and then we'll get into it. You got your toothbrush? Sure. You have your deodorant? Sure. You have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked, but he's a black man. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bruh. Meeting families and taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> <laughs> So you guys coming up from the city? Yeah, we're just heading up for the weekend. Can I see your license, please? He wasn't driving. I didn't ask who was driving. I asked to see his ID. 
call me Dean and you're hungry, my man. So how long has this been going on, this, this thing? <laughs> <laughs> we hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. Do you smoke in front of my daughter? I'm gonna quit. She'd take care of that for you. How? Hypnosis. I'm good, actually. You ready for this? I'm back in the beat. So look, I go do my research. Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool. Bro, how are you not scared of this, man? Couldn't see another brother around here. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. Get out. Sorry, man. Get out! Yo! Rose, we gotta go. Is everything okay? Rose, the keys. Just get the keys. I don't know where they are. Rose! Sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. Terrible thing to waste. Terrible thing to waste. If there's too many white people, I get Okay, Get Out, directed by Jordan Peele, written by Jordan Peele, starring Daniel Kaluuya, Allison Williams, Catherine Keener, Caleb Landry-Jones, Lakeith Stanfield, Lil Rel Howery, Stephen Root, and Bradley Whitford, the actor, not the bass player in Aerosmith, and I honestly can't remember if I made that same joke in Cabin Fever, there's a high chance that I did, but... Oh, I don't remember either. uh, Amanda, what happens in Get Out? Now that Chris and his girlfriend Rose have reached the meet the parents milestone of dating, she invites him for a weekend getaway upstate with her parents, Missy and Dean. At first, Chris reads the family's overly accommodating behavior as nervous attempts to deal with their daughter's interracial relationship. But as the weekend progresses, a series of increasingly disturbing discoveries leads him to a truth that he that he never could have imagined. That's well... (laughs) I kind of, I kind of feel like that. That's a little bit underselling the fact that uh, he seems like he easily could imagine it. Well, I mean, if if you're looking at this movie as like if this happened in real life, that's true. I guess you're his not going to be his buddy could could easily believe it, but maybe not. Yes, him. if this if Rod were the main character of this movie, that synopsis would not have worked. Yes, correct. Yeah. <laughs> well, Clay, some things you'll find in Get Out include. Mm-hmm. Death by Taxidermy. Yes. Uh, not since... Um, I can't think of another. Oh, you know what? No, I can. Um, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. There we go. Not mm. since Silent Night, Deadly Night 2 has someone been so spectacularly killed by a pair of antlers. Um, Bradley Whitford not quite as equipped as... Uh, as uh, uh, what's her name? Linnea Quigley, though, unfortunately. Yeah. But win some, you lose some. Uh, you'll also find Death by Bocce Ball. Ah, yes. Death by Lesser Sport Ball. What is, <laughs> by, is it, what is the point of Bocce? 
Is it just, is it like you hit the other ball out of the way? Yeah, I think it's it's sort of like um, like a like a shuffleboard kind of yeah. deal. Right? It's one of those games where curling. <laughs> it's one of those games. It's a, white, where it's a white person game. Clearly, they had nothing better to do, so a couple people threw some balls on the ground, and they were like, "Yeah, we can make a game out of this." I think. No, it's just like they didn't have the sticks for polo, so they just went. Meh. Yeah, okay. sure. Why not? We'll do this instead. Yeah. Uh, you'll also find. Childish Gambino. Yes. I uh, love the album that that song is from. Um, it's so good. It's, it's one of those albums where um, it is so, it is, <laughs> it is not ripping off any particular song specifically, but it almost is because it's, it is mm-hmm. a style lift to the very close to the point of plagiarism, but he does yeah. it impeccably well. Uh, it's it's a very yes. good album. <clears throat> like it's it's done with intention and purpose. Like there's a reason he's doing it like that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you'll also find aggressive calisthenics. Yeah. Yeah. Pull a hammer. Run right at you in the dark. Yes. Straight into your face. <laughs> very easy to. Uh, I mean, you know, you gotta you gotta stretch out the legs of your body. <laughs> When else, when else can he do that other than the middle of the night? Really, really open her up, you know? See what she can do. Yeah. Uh, truly unhinged cereal eating. I remember, I could be misremembering this, but for some reason I think I thought I heard that that was Allison Williams' idea. God, I hope so. <clears throat> it was either something that she actually did in her real life or she witnessed somebody else do. Either way, <laughs> unhinged. Reminds me of, um, I had a friend who, when she studied abroad, one of her roommates would eat raw spaghetti. Like hard spaghetti? Yes, like uncooked spaghetti. Why? Uh, uh, because she was truly unhinged. Was it like because it was crunchy? That's like, I've tried to do that. It's very difficult. I Clay, I, I cannot tell you. It is a sign of psychopathy. Call her up. Call her up and let's find this out. On the <laughs> get, her, get, her on, get her on the recording. Get her on the show. Yes. Uh, you'll also find questionable girlfriend. Yeah, more more accurate usage of that than we usually use. It's le- mm-hmm. less facetious and more literal because uh, yeah, she definitely is a questionable girlfriend. Yeah, throughout the movie, you're not sure. You're kind of in this weird limbo about her for a long time. Mm. Uh, and the usual questionable parenting. Yes, yes, very yeah. gold star questionable parenting here. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this one is also questionable parenting too, because like, uh, I, I guess in their own way they're providing for their kids, so it's not uh, on like a like a crazy person scale. You can't totally write it off as just bad parenting, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, they seem to be doing to pretty them. well for themselves. It is multi generational yeah. though, because it seems yeah, to that's have true. started with uh, Bradley Whitford's dad, I guess. Yeah, grandma and grandpa. Um. Yeah, so Get Out, uh, very good movie. I, As I said, I wasn't sure how it was going to hold up on rewatch because <clears throat> going into this the first time, I remember not having any idea what was going to play out. Like the, I remember the trailers being pretty good at keeping under wraps exactly what was going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> I, so much of the first half of the movie is that tension of keeping you on edge because you can't 
you're not really totally sure what the vibe is or, or where this mm-hmm. is going. And then when they, you know, drop the hammer on you, it all becomes sort of just like a roller coaster ride down the, uh, for the rest of the, the remainder of the movie. Um, but I, after the first couple scenes, I, that worry kind of went away. Like once they, mm. the, the, I, the first scene with him and the girlfriend, I was kind of like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of tough cause you know, she's, but, but once they got to the family's house, I thought, mm. uh, stuff really kind of clicked in, um, into gear and it really, it really does kind of grab you. And, uh, even if you do know what's going on, it's still pretty interesting. Yeah, and, like, obviously this episode is about this movie, so there's going to be a ton of spoilers. But to spoil one of the big things right off the bat, um, realizing, watching this movie for the second time, knowing about Rose. Yes. I was a little concerned that was going to take away some of the interest and some of the tension, because I remember the first time I watched this, I, I was really like, I cannot tell. If this girl is also psychotic or if something has happened with her family while she's been gone. Sure. Yeah. And so I, I had that kind of like, I kept going back and forth on her the first watch through. And then you get to the reveal where she's like, obviously in on it with them. Um, But I found it still really interesting because now when you watch it, you can read so much of what she's doing and saying as performance and like knowing that she's lying to him and knowing that she's putting on an act it it adds like a layer to everything she's doing and saying that i find really interesting like um greg actually pointed out a great one where when they're pulled over by the cops on or or um when they hit the deer yep. and the cop comes and the cop asks to see Chris's ID and she immediately Rose is immediately like, that's bullshit. You you don't need to see his ID. He mm. wasn't driving. When you watch it the first time through, you're sort of like either she's a good girlfriend and she thinks she's standing up for him or she's a crazy manipulative person and she's making a big performance out of being like, look what a good ally I am. Right. But Greg pointed out to me that he's like, yeah, also she doesn't want the cop to look at his ID. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. She doesn't want the police to be aware that this person is in the area in case he does get reported missing later. Yep. And I was like, oh, shit, I hadn't I hadn't really put that fully together even after, you know, when I watched it the first time and I thought back about it. But then the second time through, it really does add that that layer of ulterior motive to everything Rose is doing throughout the first, you know two-thirds to three-quarters of the movie really yeah yeah she is impeccably written and performed i think as a character because once they get once they get to the house you know um uh the dad obviously comes on pretty strong in his uh Mm -hmm. silly over-the-top allyship um yeah but she is played so straight down the middle that it is even even knowing that where it goes, she is uh, so effectively believable. Um, yeah, that it's it's just a really great performance and a really great turn uh, from Allison Williams. Yeah, I mean, and I think casting her is perfect. Yeah, like like 
she does she does both versions of this character this sort of like really like relatable nice good girlfriend thing really well and then when she after the turn when she's got her hair like aggressively slicked back yes and she's in this like proto mormon uniform of like a white button down and khakis and she's doing her little psycho serial killer serial snack um she's so terrifying she becomes like an automaton she's she's like becomes the scariest character in in the family yeah yeah and i i think uh my i think my favorite thing from her is when uh rod calls or she calls Mm -hmm. rod i can't remember which way it goes and she is she's basically doing the terminator thing where Uh she is giving a uh what she's saying is very emotionally intense but she has Mm -hmm. a completely blank stare on her face like completely unemotional it's pretty impressive to to be able to to do that sort of uh, verbal acting while keeping your face completely stone. Yeah, especially in the eyes. Like her eyes are so cold and blank. It's really impressive. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I one of the, I was watching this and and trying. It, it's it's so good at skewering, um, just like the way that people try to be cool. Oh yeah, with black people. That mm-hmm. I just I found myself thinking like how do we talk about this without just becoming that? <laughs> well, I even have like on on a slightly different note, but a, a similar worry about like how to talk about this movie without slipping into caricature. Right. Um, I was like, there there are going to be times while we talk about this where I use words like privilege and microaggression. Exactly. Yeah. And. I know a lot of those words have become kind of like buzzy and weirdly like politicized. And that's, I'm just using them because they have a utility of meaning in this context. I'm not, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like they, they, they inspire knee jerk reactions from people now. Um, and that's not why I'm using them. I'm using them because they're here in the movie. Sure. Um, but yeah, it, it it's, it's, I think this movie really makes you overly self-aware as, especially as a white person of like your word choice and your language choice and how careful we sometimes feel we have to be and how careful people sometimes aren't about how they express themselves. And I think that it does that on purpose because that is how Chris has to be all the time as well. Right. Like, when he's around Rose and her family, he presents himself in a very different way than he does when he's talking to Rod on the phone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, when he try, when it, or when he tries to connect with any of the other black people you see in the movie, like, he approaches them in a much more casual, he seems more comfortable immediately. And he even admits it at the party that, you know, seeing another black man here makes me less nervous. Until they start talking to him like they're ninety-two-year-old white people. Yeah, yeah, and they um, do it. They do such a great job of presenting that stuff, um, in, independent of the ultimate um, evil behind it. Where it's just yeah. like the the way that the father talks about talks to Chris about his uh also just for the record i want to get this on on tape saying that some of my favorite Mm. movies are get out i just want to make sure everybody (laughs) knows that um 
some of some of my best friends are the movie Get Out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the way the some way some of my best friends are Jordan Peele. Yeah, I wish he seems like a cool dude. Yeah, yeah he seems awesome. Um, but the way the way that they have the father talk to Chris in this sort of you know hackneyed, I would have voted for Obama a third time yes. if I had the chance. But then at the yeah. same time, they have black servants at the house. Mm-hmm. It's like that is even removed from the horror movie aspect such an interesting observation of things that very clearly obviously happen and yeah might be um uh might might takes take more of a pointing out the the weird hypocrisy of it than uh than than you would think yeah because i think sometimes there's this there's this underlying attitude where if you're saying something based on stereotypes but it's complementary mm-hmm then it's not racist. Right, right. And I think this movie plays with that a lot. Like you could be saying something with the intention that you're like, no, I mean, I'm I'm trying to be nice. I'm trying to say whatever. And your intention is like not enough in the total context (laughs) of like somebody's world to absolve you of any sort of like need to think more critically about what you might be saying and why. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, there, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, I was just, one of the things I do love about that first scene in the house where, you know, Chris has met everybody and the dad's giving him the tour, which is a very dad thing to do. Um, is that he tells the story about their, about his, was it his father? Yeah. Who was uh, at yeah. the Olympics? Mm-hmm. And he lost to Jesse Owens. Right. And it's this whole, like, it it kind of right there, that anecdote immediately sets the scene for exactly what these people are doing and why. Mm-hmm. Which is they want to claim the excellence and ability of black people for themselves. Right, yeah. Like, they want to be able to just sort of literally use their bodies and therefore take their achievements it's it's really fascinating that he works he just kind of throws that anecdote in there and that's it's one thing out of many but if you don't pay a ton of attention to it the first time you're watching it it can kind of gloss right over that he's literally saying like yeah my grandfather lost in the olympics to a black man and the and he he almost got over it is what he says right yeah yeah, and then so this whole thing is like a revenge plot, essentially. <laughs> yeah, and then they they obscure the 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 uh, 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 malicious intent by mm-hmm. having him be, say the thing like, "Man, it was so cool to have a black yeah. dude, black dude up yeah. there, just like sticking it to Hitler," <laughs> which is like yeah. you know, I that is absolutely something that I have probably said and not realized how ridiculous I sound saying it. <laughs> Well, again, it's one of those things where it's like the intention for yeah, a normal exactly. person. Exactly. The intention yeah. would be good, but it's like, why are you why are you saying it to this this person? Like, he expressed no interest in being a runner or the Olympics or sports. Right. <laughs> like, why are we here? Yeah. The the one that that um, I just think these characters are so like really really well written and really well performed. Oh, yeah. And the one that mm-hmm. all the one that stands out to me as being a great red herring if if you want to call him that is the brother mm-hmm. because the brother is the most aggressive of the family but even there the way that he is aggressive is 
um, it has kind of it has multiple layers to it because mm-hmm. when he gets weird about you know MMA and sport the one the one thing that nobody says in this movie that I, I was kind of surprised nobody says is uh, is nobody refers to Chris as being very athletic but the brother comes the closest. Oh. <clears throat> well, doesn't one of the one of the party goers? gropes his muscles and talks about how what a specimen he is yeah like they, they come very close to that there's obviously different yeah. ways to say it but that's that's the thing that yeah. always stands out to me is uh it happens a lot in wrestling is they always anytime that they say oh, yeah. this is one of the most athletic wrestlers we've ever seen 90 yeah. 99.9 percent of the time they're talking about a black wrestler it's very weird right right um, yeah <clears throat> but uh you know the way that he is being weird about chris's body type and he's like you know with a frame he says like what does he say with your frame and genetic makeup you could be a real yes. beast or something like that yes which and is, i want to come back to that line later sure which is which is yeah. a really shitty thing to say in general but then once mm-hmm. you realize he's talking this way because he's like coveting the idea of of being able to use this dude's body yeah for mma sports himself or whatever it's just right I had this weird memory in the back of my head that he actually was a good guy, but clearly that's not that's mm. not true. But but he's <laughs> yep, just he's, false. yes, he's really effectively drawn. I think as as being intense enough that he he almost comes off as like a red herring to the situation. Yeah, you start to think that maybe it's going to be just him, and maybe maybe the parents are going to have given him a blessing to do some crazy weird shit. Mm-hmm. Like rather than the 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 daughter, rather than Rose being involved as well, um, I do want to ask though. In the beginning, when Andre is abducted, the very beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. is that Jeremy? Um, I think it's, I think it's him, and it must be him and the dad, I guess, because yeah, uh, Chris gets into that car, and on the passenger side of the the car is the Mm -hmm. the mask that the guy who abducts him is wearing got it so it's it's at least jeremy and somebody else yeah probably the dad probably the dad okay cool unless i mean it could be (laughs) it could be uh the gardener you know who knows true grandpa yeah but it's at least it's at least uh (laughs) jeremy um yeah i want to talk about rod for a little bit um, sure. So before we talk about Rod, <clears throat> yes, Jordan Peele is a very interesting filmmaker. Uh, not only because of the the subject matter that he he makes movies about, but he is or was primarily known as a comedian. <clears throat> um, you know, he was very integral in the creation of Gremlins Two. Uh, among other among other things he but, is the hollywood sequel doctor yes yes <laughs> what was it star magic jackson jr yeah, i think so yeah, i think that's correct <laughs> um but yeah he he's he was the most well known for being the peel half of key and peel uh mm-hmm. ske- sketch comedy show that ran for a number of years and when he sort of announced that he was making a horror movie everybody kind of went what because yeah. they just, I, I don't know if they directed that movie Keanu about the cat that they were both in, but you know that was like the first thing that they did after the show was over, I think. And then, yeah, and that was a comedy, right? That was a comedy. <clears throat> yeah. And then 
he goes off to direct and he, he says he's making a horror movie and he has talked extensively about his love of horror and stuff and horror and comedy do occupy a very similar space very well Mm -hmm. if you can do it right Mm -hmm. and so the tone of this movie is bonkers and i don't mean that in a bad way (laughs) because everything is like kind of every well except for chris is chris is a legitimate straight man right he's Mm -hmm. pretty serious yeah um his girlfriend's yeah, a couple little throwaway lines here and there, but you're right. Yeah. yeah. His girlfriend is pretty serious. Like, you know, mm-hmm. her, she is playing the, uh, um, l- liberal college girlfriend who's ashamed of the way that her parents are weird around her black boyfriend. Like that's, yeah, she, she, she's the good white feminist. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but everything else in the movie definitely has this amazing seesaw of humor and menace to it. That is a tone that I think is incredibly hard to hit well. And like for a scene, let alone an entire movie. And Mm -hmm. he seems to do it impeccably well in this. Yeah. Yeah, because like the dad and the brother are kind of laughable at different times. Like whether intentionally or unintentionally, like... You you can you can just kind of chuckle at their behavior in, mm-hmm. in some times where it's like really cringy or over the top, and then I mean Rod is hilarious. Yes, and also just kind of like that annoying friend who's also sort of right, even though he has no no reason to be right. <laughs> Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah. Um. Yeah, there there are like a bunch of moments in this movie where I found myself laughing and then sort of being like, should I be laughing at this? I don't like it. It is objectively funny, but it, is it like ethically okay to laugh at this right now? <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's it's a tone that uh, I I think he's kind of in certain places doing things that he knows is going to re- cause you to react that way. Yeah. Like it is objectively funny, but yeah. he he wants a part of you to go, Ugh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, he wants you to laugh and then look around and wonder if everybody else is laughing next to you or maybe mm-hmm. maybe they're now looking at you. <clears throat> yeah, totally. But it's it's a I, f- I find it to be uh an interesting choice. Well, that's not, I shouldn't say that, but um like uh Rod is straight up comic relief. Yes. And he is so big but he doesn't seem out of place because mm-hmm. everything else in the movie is pretty big when you really look at what's going on. Like the amount of of um, the, the 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 amount of ridiculous uh, awkward talk about black people and black bodies is oh, in yeah. and of itself way over the top. Like it's just like yeah. distilled down to a uh, a concentrate that. I don't know. I hope doesn't exist in the real world, but it probably does somewhere. <laughs> but yeah, like, like the guy at the at the party saying to Chris, "Black is in." Yeah, all the all the people yeah. to all the people at the party <laughs> talk acting weird. You know, it's it's all mm-hmm. that stuff is very over the top, which means that Rod gets to go even bigger over the top because he needs yes. to stand out as 
the actual comic relief. So you're watching the stuff at the party and you're kind of chuckling at the awkwardness of it, but you're getting legitimate laughs out of Rod. Yeah. And it's, it's like, he's such a necessary character because it does break some of that tension in moments where you really need it. Mm -hmm. Like where you need that catharsis of just being able to laugh and to have somebody else point out to Chris how absurd what he's dealing with actually is. Yeah. And how far outside of acceptable because it's clear that like Chris is doing everything he can to try and be a good boyfriend. Yes. Oh, my heat just kicked on. It's very loud. I apologize. Um, Stay warm. (laughs) Heater's heat. Thank you. Um, but yeah, Chris, Chris is trying, he's trying to be a good boyfriend, a good guest, a good potential son-in-law. And I think he's also trying to be a good quote unquote, good black person. Yeah. Like in front of all these rich white people, he's kind of trying to, to play against type to them and like show them that their stereotypes are not true via his behavior. Like he's, he's trying to play it cool. He's, he's doing his best to code switch in order to be palatable to these upper class white people who are all like judging him and making him feel real awkward. Yeah. And I think that's something that they surprisingly don't specifically call out. Like there's Mm -hmm. no scene where he's like, you don't get it. I need to act a certain way around the, like that's just, that's just not something that is verbalized. Um, Probably for the better. Yeah, the closest he gets is when he he's trying to talk to Georgina. Mm-hmm. Like he he thinks maybe they can have a real conversation for a second, and he says, "Well, I just you know I I have to admit I get nervous when I'm around this many white people." Yeah, and that's when she kind of has that break moment of like she almost says something to him, and she starts to cry, and she just keeps saying no for like a disconcertingly long time. Yeah which is such a scary scene when he's just like in the room alone with her and she's being so uncanny. Yes. Yeah. Like I, I love that part. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the, um, the actual plot of, of, of what they are trying to do. Uh, mm. cause again, another thing that is when you look at it insanely over the top because they yeah. are kidnapping, uh, black people in order to essentially, brain switch with them and mm-hmm. take over their bodies so they can use their bodies uh for for their f- own purposes generally older people or people with um disabilities like steven root is blind and he wants chris mm-hmm. you know i i wish that someone had said to him you know even if you're inside his body you're not going to be a good photographer that's not how that works you'll be able to see but what you like about his pictures is he has a good eye for photography. But that's mm. you won't get that because you still have your brain and you're bad at art. <laughs> that won't change. That's a that's a good point. It's not but it's like, not like being able to run fast. That's that that that's true. It, it makes it even more of like an insane waste. It, yeah, it is. Yes, like it's even more just sort of objectifying a black person's talent yes. and saying, well, it's not really about you. It's because your, your build and your genetic makeup or whatever insane eugenicist bullshit. That's where the real ability is. You could put my brain in there and I'd be able to do it just as well. Like that, that's their whole stance is that 
you know, because in that creepy video, don't doesn't it even say with our determination and your like physical talents or something? Imagine what we could do. It's like some crazy bullshit like that. I'm just listen. I'm just trying to save the guy twenty million dollars. Okay. <laughs> well, I I I watching this through again and kind of having them lay out what is, what is it called the coagula? Yes, behold the coagula. <laughs> Behold the coagula. That should have been one of the things you'll find. Behold yes, the coagula. Yes. Um, what they want is the most literal form of blackface. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. They, they want to take it even further, not just imitate, but actually be. Um, And it is really interesting this, that like this very over the top kind of sci-fi procedure that they've come up with it's both totally insane on the one hand Mm -hmm. but then in the context of things that have really been done to people of color it's kind of like well i'm sure yeah in terms of like medical experimentation on the unwilling it's not like it hasn't happened before is it really that different than what uh what's her name marie laveau what she was doing in in uh in her murder torture dungeon in new orleans right or the tuskegee um syphilis or that experiment. Yeah. yeah yeah where it's like you just take unwitting unwilling black people and do medical experiments on them without their consent or like like without their informed consent right yeah. um and not really giving them any of a choice any any choice so it, it's kind of like <laughs> it's presented in this movie as so over the top and crazy but when you think about it just on the baseline conceptual level, it's like, well, yeah, it's actually kind of rooted in in reality, mm. which is one of the things that I think Jordan Peele does very intentionally with this movie is he's he's doing the same kind of thing that Margaret Atwood did when she wrote The Handmaid's Tale, mm-hmm. which is they're taking things from reality, real things that have actually happened in the world, and then bringing them to the most extreme version right yeah and playing off of that which is what i think makes it really successful in terms of its like creepiness and just general ability to like reflect some really grotesque things in society yeah because like if you really want to get literal about what's going on these Mm -hmm. people aren't racist they are they are at least not in not in the way that like would lead to um a, a hate crime or a lynching or something like they don't they don't hate black people it's actually the complete opposite where they just covet them so much that they are willing to do the most insane awful shit in order to inhabit them so yeah yeah it's i think it's like Oh, I don't know. I think it's a little more complicated than that because... Oh, I'm sure. Oh, I'm, yes, it is. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, no, because my, my, my knee-jerk response to that was just, I I don't think they... I don't think they think black people are that great because they don't care about their actual... The True. actual people. True. True. They just want... They want the trappings of it. They yeah. want... They want to own it all. Right. And it doesn't matter if that destroys... The, the lives and minds and souls of the people that they are coveting. Yep. They just, they want to like, they're re-commodifying them. They're trying to turn them 
from humans into kind of glorified like cars for a brain. Yeah, yeah. Where you can just swap in and out when you're bored of one. Yeah, and and it that's that is the it 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 is scary to see the way that they treat Chris and the others. Mm-hmm. Um, again, in this heightened sci-fi insanity, but like putting putting Chris on an auction block to sell to the highest bidder, yeah. science fiction Jesus. element removed is is not something that, you know, didn't happen. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's take a moment of silence to remember that. <laughs> um <clears throat> I'm skimming through my notes because there are moments in this conversation where it is kind of like, where do you go <laughs> conversationally from some of this stuff? You know, yeah. like, like, where do you, where do you, <laughs> how do you transition from that into? Well, I, uh, I want to talk about Lakeith Stanfield a little bit. I think he's, mm. I think he's really great in this. Um, I, mm-hmm. I didn't know him when I saw this cause I think this was probably the first big thing. I mean, as far as I know, anyway, it was the first big yeah. thing that he was in. <clears throat> but he went on he was in um sorry to bother you and yep. uh he's on atlanta i think and he was in the haunted yep. mansion movie that came out recently oh i still haven't seen that it's fine if you yeah. it's i keep meaning to just sort of out of like childish no- nostalgia yeah you know what i mean if you're looking for, if you're still sick and you're looking for a movie just to like throw on while you're i am cuddled, very sick in so many ways yeah cuddled, cuddled with a blanket you know blowing your nose you could do worse than the haunted yep. mansion but <laughs> well, uh now i have my plans for after we're done recording yes but uh yeah he's he's really good in this because he does i love the way that he plays uh his post-surgery character yes because yes. he he has just enough old man energy to mm-hmm. the way that he like holds himself and talks that mm-hmm. he is um it, again, it's it. You're riding a line as to whether as to what is going on with this guy, um, yeah. because at first you like you could be like, oh, maybe he's just brainwashed or something to be uh, more quote unquote presentable or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But then once you kind of know what's going on, you're like, oh, he's actually doing a pretty good job of playing a, an old man inside a young man's yeah. body. Yeah, like I I love the scene where somebody I. I I think it's the, uh, I think it's the Japanese guy asks Chris at the party, um, to describe to him the, the African American experience (laughs) and Chris, like, uh, it's, it's moments like these in this movie where I think about if somebody asked me, I don't know, some, some boring ass white woman equivalent of that that was like offensive and not something you should say in public in front of all these people who then just kind of calmly stare at you waiting for you to answer as though it's a reasonable question Mm. i feel like i would be so taken aback and so mortified that i would not know how to respond yeah and chris kind of like brilliantly (laughs) just immediately is like i don't know why don't we ask Logan (laughs) puts it back on one of the weird party goers. Mm -hmm. Who's kind of more in the in crowd. Like he, he deflects it so smoothly and so brilliantly onto this very 
bizarre character who then, yeah, does the little, the, this kind of old man, like, oh, well, hmm, let me think about that for a minute. <laughs> and that scene is so uncomfortable, and yet his delivery of that little monologue is so funny, even as it's weird and creepy. I I just, I loved that scene. Yeah, that that scene is, is, um, <clears throat> is a good one, because it, <laughs> I, I don't think most people have a good understanding of what it's like to be the only person like them in a group Mm -hmm. like that. Um, Mm -hmm. Because you very, you end up uh, becoming the um, spokesperson for, for everyone like you in a way that is completely ridiculous. And it's, it's, uh, you know, Anytime, anytime something uh, racially charged happens, um, there's there's always someone who is who's very uh, uh, wisely says like, "Listen, I appreciate what you are, your interest in this, but I am not your Google. You know, I just yeah. just because of my of my skin color doesn't mean that I know all the answers to the things that you were asking me." Um, which in and of itself is a weird crutch, right? It's, it's just, it's a weird, and it's not just with black, it's any instance in which, you know, there's one person who, Mm -hmm. who represents, uh, is the sole representation of a group of people or whatever. And then all of a sudden you're like, you know, if you're, if there's one person from Germany in your group and you're like, so (laughs) how do you feel about the Holocaust? And it's like, well, (laughs) right, right. Well, first, a, I, a, it was bad. Let me get that out of the way. Right, right. Let me just state that out, out front. <laughs> it was bad, and it definitely happened. Let me get those out yes. of the way. <laughs> but, yeah, and th- this movie, it really plays off of that sort of, I don't know, I don't know how, to, that, that, that sort of, like, accidental slash casual racism of, like, typical of older generations, especially. Mm-hmm. Like, not all, we're going to be lo- doing lots of not all whoever's <laughs> right now, um, but that sort of stuff that you would with, with like, your grand your grandfather or your great aunt or whoever, they would say some stuff where you'd just be like, you can't say that anymore, or yeah. like, that's not okay to ask people, and the sort of thing where you, your knee-jerk reaction when it is your own family, your own loved ones, is to sort of be like... Well, they don't mean it that way. Hmm. They don't know how it sounds. It was different when they were younger. Like like all of those kind of, you, you try to excuse it, but this movie really shows you how it builds and builds and builds. It's like, it, it just happens when you're, when you're around people, like no matter what, if, if we just kind of keep brushing it under the rug and saying, oh, well, you know. My my dad says he would vote for Obama for a third term, but not he doesn't mean it in a weird way. He yeah. just means it in like a dad way. And you're like, well, no, but it is weird. Yeah, I think there's I think there is something to be said for innocent curiosity, right? You know, if you don't have sure any experience, but you with a different culture, and you have a representative of that culture in front of you, then yeah, you might ask a couple questions. But I think it is I, the trick is recognizing that. They they are not there to answer these questions for you. Like that's not why they're there. Well, um, yeah, and like you can ask them about their specific experience, sure, in like a normal and appropriate way. 
but you can't ask them to speak for all Germans or all black people or all gay people or whatever. Right. And also like, hopefully it wouldn't be the very first time you met them. <laughs> yeah. <What? laughs> like, yeah. Hopefully it wouldn't Depends. be like within 30 seconds of meeting them. You're asking them, have they ever thought about becoming an MMA fighter? Yeah. Well, hopefully, but Hey, you might not get another, you might not get another shot. So you may as well. <laughs> um, Feel we up those muscles while you can clay. Yes. <laughs> Uh, we haven't talked about Catherine Keener at all. I think she's really great in this. Oh, my God. Um, How have we not talked about her yet? She's yeah. so creepy. Yeah. <clears throat> and she's, again, she's creepy in a way that is just like on the surface, the way that meeting someone's mom for the first time can be kind of creepy. That's how I would describe meeting someone's mom for the first time. <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of creepy. Yeah, there's there's well, a certain she... intensity that comes, sure, especially if it's yes. at only after five months, which is kind of insane. But that is kind of insane. I did also have that written down. They've only been dating for five months. That's like I'm assuming they're both out of call, like mid twenties. I think Rod says that Chris is twenty six. Twenty six. Mm-hmm. So like five months is like nothing. Yeah, I mean, but you know, now that I think about it, I had definitely met Greg's parents within five months of us dating. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I to be fair, I met my girlfriend's parents eight years before we started dating, so <laughs> I got to jump on Negative that eight years into dating. Um. But yeah, she there's uh she has that certain intensity like the, the, that the intensity comes through in the in the bit when they're sitting together in the room and she says, "Do you smoke in front of my daughter?" which is is just mm. a very like uh <clears throat> mom is 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 getting not aggressive but like she's she's putting you in your place pretty quickly. Yeah, and the the, the sort of like ownership over rose where she keeps saying that's my kid that's my kid right yeah um i find i find the the use of him smoking as kind of a symbol and a plot point really interesting too because like especially in like middle and upper middle class cultures now smoking is kind of passe like people don't smoke cigarettes they vape or whatever right but they don't smoke cigarettes. It's seen as kind of like a poor people thing now. Mm. And I think it's so interesting that they're so judgy about Chris smoking, but the dad admits he used to smoke too. Right. But they never, you know, he, he, they just say like, Oh yeah. And then Missy hypnotized me and I was able to quit and it was so great. And it's kind of like, yeah, but you're, you're, they were so hard on him when they find out that he smokes that it was just kind of a weird, yet, like yet another thing where they're they're clearly thinking more about his like resale value, right? Yeah, than his actual health. Yeah, yeah. And this time, um, one of the things that I noticed that didn't occur to me the first time is one of the small details is that the parents, one of them is a neurosurgeon and the other one is a psychiatrist, and I didn't yeah. even it, I didn't even clock that the first time. But as soon mm-hmm. as they said it this time, I was like, oh, okay, well, yeah, that makes sense as to what they're what they're doing then. Uh, the two well, and, most evil in, of uh, sciences. Yeah. Well, and I, I didn't realize that 
until I watched through this time, you know, when he's strapped to the chair in the basement Mm -hmm. and they show the video with the grandfather. The grandfather talks about how he has figured out, behold, the coagula. Mm -hmm. And then it shows at the end of that video, like, it shows them all as a family. And I'm like, oh, this is very on purpose. Like, these, Missy and Dean, whichever one of them, I I get, I think it's supposed to be Dean's father? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yes, it is. Yeah, because it's the guy who lost to Jesse Owens. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, um, you're right. But like they were probably kind of raised specifically to take on these these jobs yeah, in the hopes of being able to perform the coagula. Yes. Like it, it's a weird like eugenicist like breeding stock kind of thing where they have been raised specifically for this purpose yes. in their own family. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about the hypnosis stuff? I think it's so unsettling. Yeah. Um, especially the way it's handled in this movie where it's uh, it starts so subtle. And Catherine Keener does such a great job as Missy, like riding that line between a comforting maternal presence and something really frightening. Yeah. And her prodding, she, she zones in so quickly. And I'm sure it's because Rose has told her where to push. Mm. Um, at least on the second watch through, that was kind of my assumption. Like she, she knows to go straight for where were your parents? Right. Yeah. Oh, so your father was out of the, out of the picture. Where was your mother? And like, she knows to keep prodding into that really horrific backstory right away and and to push him where he's most vulnerable and i think that's she uses it to such great effect like as an actress like the 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 tension of her being sort of like soft and she never yells she's not aggressive but he is clearly so unable to resist and it's like really heartbreaking to watch him paralyzed in the chair and kind of breaking down and unable to stop anything. Mm. And I think the visual of him going into the sunken place and his vision becoming like a television is really poignant. And it it ties it all back into that memory of the night his mom died, where he keeps saying like, I just sat there watching TV. I could have done something. Right. Yeah. I think it's really, I think it's really, really well done. Yeah. The backstory thing is the kind of element that usually I would kind of bristle at a bit because mm. it, it 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 really is only well I don't know it, it it feels like it's only there as for for the purpose of the hypnosis stuff mm. and then they kind of they bring it back a little bit at the end um, <clears throat> when he he say or he attempts to save uh was Georgina. Georgina um but you know like normally I would bristle at what what feels a bit like unnecessary backstory but I think they handle it pretty well here I think they handle it well because also the deer at the beginning right. is kind of an omen it's it's kind of when you find out later on that that's how his mom 
dies is a hit and run. It sort of, at least for me, made me think that just hitting that, just being in the car when it hit the deer and seeing the deer suffering at the side of the road before he even got to Rose's family's house. Yeah. It's kind of put him in a vulnerable spot emotionally. Mm. Like it's brought up all these memories and just meeting a family, like meeting your significant other's family. You can't help but compare like your family and theirs. And so when you see what they have and you don't, and I don't really mean materially, I mean sort of relationship wise. Um, and I think some of this hit me because like, you know, my, my dad died when I was a teenager. Mm. And so from then on, every time you meet someone else's parents, it sort of emphasizes the absence of a parent in your own life. Yeah. And so I, I think a lot of that actually really worked for me because it gives you a lot of insight into where Chris is mentally and why he might be trying so hard to get these crazy people's approval. Yeah is because he's kind of missing that that family and and that those parent figures in his own life and he has been since he was a kid. And so for him this might feel like you know, I really love this woman and if I meet her family and I get along with her family, maybe one day we get married and they become my family and I finally get to have this place in the world that I've been missing. So, I don't know, for me it I think it worked. Yeah, and I think on a on a motivational level too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, his, his biggest regret from that story about his mother is that he didn't move and that he didn't do mm-hmm. anything and he could have. And so yeah. when he's presented with that situation where he is literally strapped to a chair watching right. TV, he this time makes the decision to actually be proactive and get himself out of the situation. Yeah. Yeah, and the and the fact that the fate he is staring down is that biggest regret forever. Like right. he would become paralyzed and only able to spectate in his own body for the rest of his life. <clears throat> and it sort of forces him it would force him to be constantly and forever reliving that that huge regret that he has. Yeah. 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 The times that this stuff bothers me is when it's like non ironically like the scene in Gremlins where Phoebe Cates <laughs> stops the movie to tell about this horrible thing that happened to her. Yeah. You know, like I hate that stuff because it always happens at the same point in the movie where it's like they've just escaped from the monster and there's a quiet scene and then someone's like, you know, when I was a kid. My father used to yeah. take me fishing. And it's like, dude, I don't fucking care, man. I know that you're trying to build sympathy for for you, for these characters, but this is pretty hacky. But in this movie, yeah. I do think it is handled really well and um, feels very of a piece of everything else and intentional and, and uh, purposeful. Yeah, I would say the only time it kind of skirts closest, the time it's, it skirts kind of close to what you're talking about is when he and Rose are sitting outside and he sort of yeah, brings yeah. it all up again just to her and, right. and kind of it it I think that's okay. I also kind of think this movie maybe would have been would have been fine without it. Yeah. Yeah. That conversation or like maybe a shorter version of that conversation. Um 
I think maybe if if they lean too hard into it, I think that's the scene for me where they where they do. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah. <laughs> we mentioned um, five months being kind of early to meet parents. Uh, mm-hmm. At the point that he says, I love you, I actually said too soon, Chris, <laughs> because that's that seems a little bit um, a little fast for that. But yeah, you got you to do what got to do what I do and wait, did what and wait exactly six months. <laughs> yeah. OK, so he was almost there. Yeah. Um, the ending uh, is is pretty mm-hmm. great. The the way Chris manages to escape, putting the cotton in his ears, it's very clever, very symbolic. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. That, that like that's that's the stuff where it's like I you can write papers about this shit or classes about yep. how he puts cotton in his ears. He kills the father using a um, a, a, a buck buck horns which was a slang term that they used for black men who were slaves who were on the auction block yada yada like that's it's all very valid all very intentional but i you know i'm not the person to be talking about that stuff but um but yeah it's it's just uh it's a great um i i think daniel kalua as an actor if he has one flaw is that Mm. he is too good being stone-faced because like Mm. the way he plays this movie i think he's perfect and the way that he goes through that final sequence very kind of cold and calculated i think is great um uh conversely i did not think he was the best choice for nope for that same reason because Mm. he goes through that whole movie incredibly cold for, for me anyway that i thought and I, I kind of think I needed more from the main character than someone who's just sort of like experiencing this stuff and not really emoting all the crazy shit that he's seeing. But yeah, we can talk about that if we ever get to Nope. I was going to say, I feel like I'd have to rewatch Nope in order to know if that really worked for me or not. I I don't know if I read him as so as as quite as cold as you did mm-hmm. at, at the end of this. I feel like he is... Because you see him throughout this movie go through quite a range of emotions. I guess I like, shouldn't say cold, but he's very internal. He's a very he he's a very yeah. internal actor. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Because I I do think like, you know, you you see him laughing and having a good time with Rose yeah. at points. You see him crying. You see him get angry. And then I think at the end he's just so desperate. Like there there's there's no time to like stop. Yeah. And and have a big emotional moment, at least not through most of it. Um, this is the point where I wanted to go back to the brother Jeremy saying to him, "With your like build or whatever, mm. and the right training, you could be such a beast." Mm. And that line is so well played because it's it comes from a place of like envy, but it's very dehumanizing it's like literally saying you could be an animal but that is kind of what he's forced to become by the end of the movie like he he is forced to do beastly things he is forced to to, into extreme violence just to survive not like he clearly doesn't want to do it right like the the first time he hits jeremy with the bocce ball even though jeremy's been nothing but shitty and creepy to him the whole time he hits him and then he you see the moment he hesitates before doing it again where he he starts to and he kind of cringes and then he does it um right. 
And so I, I think that's, it's such a well-placed kind of line earlier on that then comes to fulfillment at the end. Um, and I think the whole, like, he when he gets out of the house finally, and he's in the car, and he hits Georgina, and he has that moment in the front seat where he sits and he kind of struggles again with himself of, like, just leave her, just leave her, you know you should leave her, and he can't do it. Right. Like, he has to bring her with him because he can't reenact essentially what happened to his mom. Right, um, right. But that end, that, the end sequence when he gets out of the basement and he kills, like, when he kills the dad with the deer head, it's so good. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, it's such a great kill. It's, like, the shock on the dad's face and using the taxidermy as a weapon is, like, very creative and, and just really well handled. While the brain surgery is going on in the other room, they've cut the top off the guy's head and they've dropped it in a trash can. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they, the way that they, they play the, the brain surgery almost comically as well, the way that, yeah, he's just dr- dropping the the skull and the, the, the flesh of the scalp into just a pay, a bucket. Yeah, it feels like two steps away from flesh for Frankenstein. Yeah, it, it kind of reminded me a bit of uh, <laughs> the Simpsons Treehouse of Horror when they put Homer, mm. Mr. Burns put Homer's brain into a giant robot. And he, he pulls his brain out and he puts it on his own head like a coonskin cap. And he goes, look at me, I'm Davy Crockett. Like it has the same kind of <laughs> slight comical flair to it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a great sequence. And, you know, it's I, I think also the way Kalua's internalization works really well is in that that whole sequence, he's not scared. Well, he might be scared, but more so than yeah. being scared, he's angry, you know, yeah. and he's he's kind of like you said, he kind of turns into an, an, an angry animal um, yeah. in a way that's, that's very satisfying to watch. <clears throat> and it ends. Yeah. Because like these horrible people are getting their come up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it ends but. with uh, a fake out that I know when I saw it, I and the entire theater totally bought when, when the, car shows up with the red and blue flashing lights the whole theater oh went, my god oh you know i had to like bite my tongue so hard last <laughs> we watched it the other night because greg had never seen oh he it. hadn't seen it oh cool no so he was just like that's part of the reason you know usually when we when, when we watch these movies you and i are chatting and he'll pop in and out and sometimes a couple of our friends will too mm-hmm. part of the reason he wasn't in the chat at all was because he had wanted to see this movie and he didn't want Oh, sure. Spoilers. Yeah. Um, Because he somehow went in totally blind. That's Um, great. Yeah. So I could like kind of feel him like tense up a little bit at the end. Like, no, no, no. (laughs) I wanted so bad to be like, no, it's going to be okay. I swear. Because, yeah, because you don't know. Like at that point, you don't know how wide the circle goes, right? Like you don't know if it's if this is just this family. I I, I think this is this is just go ahead. Like. It just you know even if it's they're not part of the circle if the cops show up and he's standing there of course and there's yes. a dead body on the ground and a white girl yep. who lives up the road begging for help like whatever she says she says he massacred my family they're probably gonna believe her he sure looks like he did yeah well, i mean he did because <laughs> he, 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 he did, did yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think I think this is a um, one of the last things I wanted to get into was uh, mm. how effectively this movie gives you just enough 
to get you over the finish line as far as information about what's going on, mm-hmm. but doesn't um, like. I think it's a really good narrative cone of vision movie, where yeah. it has a it has a definite um, idea of what the boundaries are that it doesn't want to go outside of, and so yes. <clears throat> There are a lot of questions that you could ask, but there there are this movie answers just enough of the questions that you don't spend the movie going like, well, so is it the whole town? Is it the whole state? Right. Like, where do these people come from? How long have they been doing this? And it's the exposition about all that stuff, I think, is handled really, really well um, in a way that is one of the reasons why. Did you see us? No, no, not yet. Okay, well, I won't go too in, too into it, but my my biggest <laughs> disappointment with us was I think that they explained too much, and it mm. really kind of killed the whole thing for me. <clears throat> but we'll get there eventually because that's like that's like number ten or something on our list. I think yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, where is that actually? Uh, <laughs> it is number. I don't know. It's under somewhere. Um. But yeah, uh, yeah, I think they handle that stuff really well. It's it's yeah. they they give you drips of it. There's drips of stuff that they um, explicitly explain, but there is so much that they don't mm-hmm. explain that they just let you kind of come to your own conclusion about. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I him finding the pictures of Rose and all of her other boyfriends that she's done this to. I mm-hmm. think is is uh, is a really good bit of they're giving you some information, but they are not giving you the whole story. Like you, you are right. It's up to you to kind of extrapolate that out and and what that means and f- how you think that plays right. out. <clears throat> yeah, it gives you enough to know that Rose lied to him, but maybe not quite enough to know exactly why. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because and like, mm. well, I was just gonna say because because you know it. It's funny because I seeing it a second time when he gets to the picture where it's Rose and the gardener. Yep. Um, I was thinking, wow, I'm I'm surprised that they just laid out the whole game there. Because mm. after after that scene, he's still he's not playing it as though he has just discovered uh, the the like discovered that she is an evil force like up he's still at least uh outwardly um believes in her up until the point where she pulls the keys out um yeah but i was i mean i th- i was just gonna say but i was wondering like if you haven't seen it before i couldn't remember having not seen it before if seeing that picture make you makes you go oh shit she's evil too or if it just makes you go oh she was lying it's weird that that guy's there what's going on you know yeah i think for me it was more of a i mean there was an oh shit but it was also what's going on sure like clearly she is playing some part in this whatever this is Mm -hmm. like you're still not fully clear i think in, in that moment of what they're actually doing like you you maybe maybe you probably could have guessed by then that they're sort of using their bodies but you don't have the full picture quite yet right um but just going back to chris's reluctance to kind of turn on rose 
I think it sort of speaks to the fact that he really genuinely loves her yeah. or who he thinks she is. Um, and that, you know, goes to, to the ending confrontation where it's Rose with the shotgun in her, you know, her khakis and her, you know, her little hunting outfit or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she has, she like six Walter on him, like a hunting dog. Yeah. And then when Chris uses his phone flash to, to give Walter a moment of freedom and Walter shoots her and kills himself. Chris has the opportunity to finish her off and he can't do it. Right. Yeah. Like he looks at her and he still sees the person he loved. And I think it speaks to like the fact that in he, he is inherently like a gentle person. He, this is not him. Like <laughs> this violence was not something like hiding in him all along that he wanted to enact. It's it, it kind of highlights like he has really been pushed to this point. This is not who he wants to be. And I think that's what makes Rod coming and, and, and rescuing him at the end so satisfying mm. because it it gives you that relief. The like I think it would have just been such a downer if they had gone with the this really is the cops deal. Yeah. And and he had actually gotten either arrested or shot or whatever, like Sadly, I think at the time, especially around which this was coming out, that was maybe too common of an occurrence. Like it was, it was almost like too realistic if they had gone that route. Sure. And like allowing him to live to be the hero is the more subversive ending than just making him kind of another in a long line of victims in the movie. Yeah, that would have been way too dark. Like it, I, yeah. you know this this movie is while it is shining a light on all of this stuff, it is ultimately about someone who prevails over it. So that, yeah, mm. that would have been, <laughs> that would have been a huge downer. Yeah. Yeah. It would have just been, I think it would have been too much of a bummer. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like that, that would have put it up there with bummer endings. Like, like the ending of the movie, the mist. Oh yeah. <laughs> where it's just like, Oh man. It's fucking brutal. <laughs> This has gotten too fucking too fucking dark for too me. Too bleak. Well, too bleak. Yes, yes. So I'm 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 really relieved. I don't. I feel like I've read somewhere that that was the intended ending, and people kind of reacted so, like, oh, oh no, to it. Yeah. That, that they went with the slightly more hopeful ending, yeah. which I'm grateful for. Like you know, I think that works in something like, um, Night of the Living Dead because it's like. Mm. part of the uh, part of the story is the the bleakness of 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 the um of what's going on and the inescapable nature of of the monster which is just as much man as it is the zombies in that movie Mm -hmm. whereas here it's just yeah there's there's too much there's too much of of hopefulness like watching night of the living dead you never feel hopeful that anyone's going to get no. out of that, you know? No, no, no. None of those, none of those movies. <laughs> no, no. You never feel like someone is is. You're rooting for them, but you you know you know that this is right. it's going to get them eventually if it doesn't get them now. But with, but with right. this, it, yeah, it would have been just too dark. It, it I think for a movie that is, um, serious. Mm-hmm. It is totally serious, but it is also totally light. I think that would be way, way too dark 
for for to yeah. to for the rest of the movie. <clears throat> yeah, because like you were saying earlier, like he Jordan Peele does such a good job of playing with that tone mm-hmm. and and sort of keeping you on your toes a little bit. So like when you hit the points where you expect the really bleak ending or the really bleak part, he surprises you. And I think this ending keeps with that yeah. tone really nicely. Um I think I I also really like that it plays with this whole movie plays with the sort of stereotypes about horror movies where, you know, like, especially in slashers, they always say like the black, the black character dies first. Yep. And in this, he does not. He is the only survivor. Right. And not only is there no white savior, there is actually a black savior who comes and rescues him at the very end. So it's this kind of nice, like flipping those stereotypes on their heads you know and letting the movie end on a positive note i don't want to be that guy uh-oh but uh time for clay to be canceled <laughs> i've already lined up my appearance on hannity don't worry everybody <laughs> i'm really curious where the the black guy dies first um stereotype comes from because mm. i feel like at this point i have watched a lot of slasher movies and i don't think generally that's the case and one of the reasons is because there doesn't tend to be a lot of black people in them (laughs) but when there is i don't feel like that is always like i i haven't noticed it enough in in these movies we've been watching to be like oh yes i understand the stereotype it's always i so i'm I'm curious when it became such a um a perpetuated stereotype and maybe i'm wrong i i could be completely wrong but it's just that's one of those things that people always say that I, I have not personally noticed to be accurate. No, but I mean, I it's an interesting question because now that we're talking about it, it kind of reminds me of something we talked about a lot when we did our Friday the 13th series mm-hmm. for the Patreon, um, where the sort of conception that in slasher movies, if you had sex, you die. Yep. And that that was the direct correlation. It was something about being sexually active meant you had to be quote unquote punished. And so you were killed. And a lot of the movies we watched kind of actually play against that. Right. Or don't really care much about it. Maybe some characters have sex. Maybe some don't. That's not the reason they're at risk though. Right. Yeah. Um, So I wonder if this is kind of a similar one of those things where it's become sort of a stereotype or a trope in like the popular imagination mm. but on a practical level it's actually not as prevalent as you might think yeah it makes me wonder if it if it's not a st- uh, a, a cliche that was created by people who just assumed that was the case because mm. they give these movies such little credit yeah maybe um and they lump them together so if it happens right. in one you just sort of assume it oh it must have been one of those slasher movies therefore all of them right yeah i mean like yeah. just going through the jason movies the yeah. the black characters in those movies don't die first they're they make it pretty deep into the movies like the, the but they do die they do oh yeah well, everybody <laughs> dies that you can't but we, one of the things we definitely noticed in friday the 13th is you cannot have a protagonist who is anything other than blonde and white in those movies. Yes. But like, yes. you know, the guy who gets his head punched off in part eight is one of the last guys to go. Uh, the guy from I forgot about that. The guy from uh, Return of the Living Dead 
in part five is like somewhere in the middle, I think. And like, it's, it's I, that those ones specifically, it stood out to me where it's like, Oh, I don't, I don't tend to see that this thing is, is actually the case, but who knows? Yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, but it, but it is definitely something that people say. So yes, I think it's, it is. it's fun to kind of play with that, that expectation that we have sort of inceptioned into our own imagination about horror movies. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the one other thing I wanted to say about that, uh, the, scene where Rose turns is I think mm-hmm. the other thing that's great about that scene is that um, I think at that point Chris knows that yeah. she's evil but what yeah. he's doing in that scene is hoping against hope that she's not and giving her a chance to not be Yeah, in a way that is just it's I'm so glad that they never call it out or anything because it plays so much better that way where you can feel the desperation in his voice like desperately hoping that his girlfriend is not what he now kind of believes her to be yeah um yeah it's just it's just really great it this is a very well written movie very well directed movie it's yeah i it definitely deserves to be on the on this list i don't know if it deserves to be number six Mm. i don't know how you feel about that yeah i you know the the reason why I don't know if it deserves to be number six is because this is one of those movies where conceptually the things it's it's dealing with are are scary, mm-hmm. you know, like kidnapping and human experimentation and having your body and your free will ripped away from you and people not being who you think they are and being like all the psychological manipulation stuff is, is is terrifying when you think about it. But there aren't many moments in this movie that are like knee jerk scary. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I would still probably keep this in the top 25. I was thinking like 20 between 25 and 30 probably. Yeah, I would, I would, I don't know. That would be reasonable to me. But I, I, I think I think this is one of the movies that gets a lot of credit because of the impact it had on the perception of the draw of the genre because it drew in people who aren't usually horror movie fans. And yeah. it's one of the rare movies that got real critical acclaim. Yeah. Like one of the rare horror movies that got real <clears throat> critical attention and praise. Which doesn't, you know, it happens a lot more now than it did for a while there. Yeah, yeah, they uh, they created a new term for this bullshit that makes people think it's okay uh, uh, to to uh, acclaim it because it's elevated, you know. Yeah. I, yeah, elevated uh, horror. Yeah, it's silly. <laughs> um, but like, when did uh, when did Hereditary come out? Hereditary uh, is yeah. from. Is that like twenty twenty eighteen? 2018 yeah. so this was before that it is it was a year before wow because I, I we've probably talked about this before but I'm, I'm trying to remember like where did that sort of like prestige horror i kind of emerge i feel like the first one was the babadook which is huh. 2014 okay maybe that's the one i was thinking about then but yeah it, th- this 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 movie is kind of a part of that 
initial couple years where it was like things like the Babadook, maybe the witch. Yep. Um, Babadook and It Follows were both 2014. Wow, It Follows was that early too. Yeah. And the witch was 2015. Okay. So yeah, it feels like it feels like it was the 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 one two punch of Babadook and It Follows were the the ones that really kind of kicked it off. Yeah, and then all of a sudden it was like, you could admit that a horror movie could also just be a good movie. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like maybe that's part of part of the mass appeal of of this movie is that even if you don't like horror movies, this is a good movie like it's beautifully put together it's extraordinarily well written the details the 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 kind of like we've gone into a lot of the symbolism and the different layers and beneath things like you said at the top the characters are great they're really well acted Mm. so i think this one just has like so many quality elements as a movie that even if it's not the scariest horror movie, it's going to end up towards the top of the list regardless. Yeah. I do also just love that this is a movie that's been so widely acclaimed by people who usually look down on horror movies. <coughs> mm-hmm. But when you get down to it, the plot of this movie is the schlockiest 1950s yes. bullshit sci-fi <laughs> horror you could think of about a brain transplant. <laughs> you know? <clears throat> yeah. So I appreciate that. Um, I I am worried about Jordan Peele. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Personally? Yes. He hasn't been returning my calls. <laughs> uh, I'm worried that he's going to get shyamalan where mm. um, people are going to expect every movie he makes to be uh, culturally uh, important and heavy. And, and eventually he's going to. I assume want to do other stuff. And, yeah. uh, <clears throat> I think, I think, uh, he's probably a better filmmaker than Shyamalan, but, yeah. um, yeah. I'm, I hope that he manages to not get too pigeonholed as, um, you know, I, ironically, like there, I, as the, the guy who makes the black people movies, you know what I mean? <laughs> Like, like it's it's because I feel like there's the the danger of that where it's like he did he he tackle he has tackled in his first three movies such um, sort of big questions that mm-hmm. hopefully he doesn't get pigeonholed as someone who only tackles those questions. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's it's interesting because like I know we said earlier we'll get more into Nope when we actually cover it, but I feel like the reaction to the movie nope was relatively lukewarm if i recall yeah like, yeah a, a lot of folks didn't really like it too much i didn't love it i thought it was like fine yeah i i i want to s- kind of a grower on me the more i've thought about it like in retrospect the more i like it I, so i, I kind of wonder how that's going to hold up in my head yeah on a repeat viewing it's, i don't think it's on our list but it might be worth doing as a wild card at some point because i yeah i want to watch it again because i just it was not clicking with me at all and um having seen some people talk about it since then i was like okay well maybe there's a lot that i missed or whatever but so i've been interested to see that one again <clears throat> I will. I will happily keep it in my back pocket as a wild card. But uh, before we do that, is there anything else you wanted to hit before we round it out? 
No, no, I think I'm think I'm about I'm about good. Well, before we get to our next wild card, so actually, technically, we should be at our next wild card, but mm. Amanda will be leaving us for a three episodes because she's going on a yes. crazy cross cross the world vacation for two months. <laughs> so we're going to be reshuffling <laughs> things a little bit. So uh, our next movie. I've hit the randomizer button, and we will be moving up one slot to number seven. We'll be talking Ooh. about Psycho, which should be, should be <gasps> very fun. And then uh, we're going to do, after that, we're going to do one more with uh, Amanda before she leaves, and then Wes will be joining He's us cool for the next wild card. And then uh, my cousin who runs a uh, film noir, well, I can just tell you what we're going to be doing. So we're going to be doing Psycho. Yeah. And then after Psycho, we're going to be doing Reanimator. And then Ooh. after Reanimator, uh, Wes will be joining us for Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 to round out the Elm Street mm-hmm. series. And then uh, my cousin who runs the uh, sh- um, film noir website Shadows of Noir, he has his own podcast where he talks about film noir movies. He's going to be joining us for Night, nice. Night of the Hunter. And then uh, Wes will be back for one more where we're either going to do one cut of the dead, which is number eight on our list, or something else he wants to do if there's another movie that, that he would rather do. And then after that, cool. uh, we have our hundredth episode. So we'll be waiting Holy till shit. Amanda gets back before we hit number 100, <laughs> which we have to figure out what we're going to do. I don't even know what it's going to be. But. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to, we'll have to plan something. Yeah. I don't know. Well, maybe we'll just, uh, <laughs> You know, talk about Barbie or something. I don't know. <laughs> we'll do Barbenheimer. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Four hour podcast episode on not a horror movie yes. for our 100th episode. Uh, if you are a Patreon subscriber, first, thank you. Um, but Thanks. secondly, uh, do not worry because we won't be missing any Patreon episodes when we cover Halloween this year. Because that would be just like Amanda to be like, let's do Halloween and then leave for three months. <laughs> So <laughs> then fuck off to South America for two yeah. months. <laughs> that, uh, is, that does sound like me. <laughs> Irresponsible, frustrating, high maintenance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All of the above. Uh, so if you, if you want to follow us, uh, follow along with us as we go down the uh, rabbit hole of the Halloween series, you can head over to patreon.com slash the Penske file. Uh, you can catch up with our, coverage of the video nasties from 2023 the second string of stephen king for 2022 and the friday the 13th series from 2021 and you can tell me how wrong i am about how all of these movies kill the black guy first <laughs> but uh, uh thank you guys for listening thank you for supporting the show thank you amanda thank you clay we'll see you next time hi everyone <laughs>